When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I'm Mike Templeton. And this week, we are going to be covering issues 12, 13, and 14 of the original Mirage series, Mirage Volume 1. So that is Survivalists, The People's Choice, and The Unmentionables. We're still in Northampton. Yes. This was part of that Northampton era. But we're in a post-Kevin and Peter collaborative uh, issues world yes. yeah which they is know. which is wild yeah because one know. of these issues is a peter laird jam then the other one is, another one is just kevin eastman and then we have number 13 which i was going to bring us up in the second time around but i'll just say it now number 13 is the first issue in this series not written by kevin eastman or peter laird that's in true yeah, just straight up dooney mm-hmm. straight dooney yeah uh, did either of them even touch this one? Touch that one? I don't think either Kevin uh, Eastman or Peter Laird touched it. Nope. According to uh, according to Turtlepedia, that is all Dooney with Steve Levine on letters. Wow. Well then, I guess we're just excited to talk about these issues already. So maybe we should tell a story first. The ancient one did tell me a story. I think you guys would want to hear about Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it. All right, so our first issue, number 12, Survivalist. It was written by, and the art was done by Peter Laird, and the letters were done by Steve Levine. It was published in September of 1987, so a few months before the debut of the first cartoon. The story starts with the turtle splinter Casey and April having a picnic when a random guy trips and stumbles into the middle of it. He doesn't see the turtles because he loses his glasses and they learn that he escaped from a nutty organization called the survivalists, or at least as they call themselves, led by a man named Skonk who forced him to build a nuke. Suddenly a bullet passes through the man. The survivalists are after him. The survivalists split up to attack them and uh, them and the turtles split and splinter split up to counter. Uh, Each of the turtles easily defeat their assignment but Splinter uh, ends up letting Skonk get away because he underestimated him. After his fight, Donatello decides he should go and try and disable the bomb. Skonk heads back to the shack and he gets there uh, while being chased by the rest of the turtles and Splinter and gets atop of the roof and has the detonator in his hand. Donatello comes running out of the building, tells everyone to take cover. They all hide. And then Skonk detonates the bomb, blowing up himself and the shack. 
it's revealed that Donnie actually extracted the plutonium core of the bomb. So the explosion was nearly not as big as it should have been. And also it wasn't nuclear. Skonk is dead, but everyone else is safe. The end. All right. Next up, we have issue 13, The People's Choice. Uh, this is by Michael Dooney. He did everything except for letters, which was Steve Levine. Uh, this came out in February of 88, which is the same month I was born. So it's kind of crazy to own a comic that's as old as me. But it's kind of cool. All right. So the turtles are going camping near an abandoned mill. Don sees a shooting star that takes a sudden turn and comes crashing down right near the turtles. But wait, it's not a comet. It's a giant robot. Raph kicks the thing open. And wait, it's not a giant robot. There's an unconscious woman inside. Uh, after she wakes up, the woman reveals herself as Janna, the newly elected ruler of Slandon. On the planet Slandon, the winner of the election has to still defeat their opponent in one-to-one -one combat. And Mariah, the incumbent ruler, shot down Janna's rocket suit as they were on the way to where they were going to have that battle to see who would be the ruler. Jonna signals to her people that she's crashing on Earth, but Mariah picks up the signal and attacks. She's conveniently brought along four aliens, a weird slime snake, a grenade-wielding center block man, a giant evil Pac-Man, and a pterodactyl man, and they battle with the turtles while Jonna and Mariah duke it out. The turtles overcome their adversaries, but Jonna won't let them interfere with her fight with Mariah. Jonna wins, but instead of killing Mariah, decides to make her live forever with the memory of her defeat. She retracts her sword into its hilt. Then the tip of the hilt kind of seems to superheat. And she brands Mariah in the face with some sort of like, like intergalactic penis symbol. Like it's, it's a circle. It's got like a phallic shape and a, a, a curve that clearly makes a, yeah. Anyway, uh, doing that apparently also lets the people of Slandon know that she's won the, the fight and won the election. Uh, the whole group goes to bed, but Jonna wakes up early when her flight arrives. Uh, she cuts off a lock of her hair and leaves it with Donatello. Uh, Casey and April show up to pick up the turtles, and Donatello looks longingly into the night sky before leaving. The end. What a nice and short issue. Mm -hmm. The complete opposite of what The Unmentionables is. <laughs> so issue 14, The, the Unmentionables. Uh, the cover date is February 1998. However, the published date is 1988. Uh, written and drawn by Kevin Eastman, inks by Eric Talbot and Kevin, and also Steve Levine on letters. Here we go. Casey Jones is patrolling the sleepy streets of Northampton looking for some crimes to prevent. However, Northampton is nothing like New York City. As Casey's uh, reminiscing about the good times he had in New York, he comes across the brass cow that used to serve as a rooftop landmark for the business uh, Lou, uh, Louis Variety Store. It looks like it's been stolen. Casey's enraged and gets to work on the case right away. As Casey interviews Louis for details, a local cop walks in and assures the shopkeeper that the theft was probably just a college prank and that the cow will show up soon. Casey gets angry about the policeman's blasé attitude, which only angers the cop who tells Jones to butt out pronto. Casey storms off, vowing to find the cow. The following morning, we find April frantically getting ready for work and asking where Casey is. Just then, Casey walks through the door, icicles hanging from his hat and chin. Jones moans that he's been out looking all night for the great cow and collapses. Fortunately, it's nothing serious, and Casey tries to explain the theft, but April is running late and hurries off to work. 
at the diner where April's waiting on tables, uh, Mrs. O'Neill or Ms. O'Neill is going through her pay stubs when she overhears two men plotting something about a cow. One of the men slaps the other and tells him that if he has any info, he should leave it at the front desk of the Hotel Northampton, room 213. April is suspicious and tries to remember where she heard about a cow earlier in the day when she sees newspaper headlines. The top story is about the missing cow. Back at the farmhouse, Casey is trying to get the turtles to help him when April calls. April, April tells Jones about the conversation she overheard, but unfortunately, the man who slapped his partner overhears April's phone conversation and becomes alarmed. Casey tries to uh, get the hotel information, slams the phone down in excitement, having a lead. April's unhappy because she wanted to go along. Casey gets to the hotel and tries to get the woman at the front desk to tell him who's in room 213, but all he manages to do is get thrown out. As Jones is sitting on the stoop outside wondering what to do next, April arrives. April thinks she can have better luck getting any information, and she goes inside. As fate would have it, Jones, or as fate would have it, just as O'Neill gets into the lobby, the slapping man, whose name is Howard, walks through the other with another fellow. April overhears the two making plans, and apparently Howard works with an older Texan man and has been making elaborate plans for a graduation party. Later that night, April, Casey, and the Turtles arrive at the parking lot of the Hotel Northampton. Casey had asked the Turtles to search room 213. While the guys aren't happy about doing it, they reluctantly agree. J uh, Casey and April crash the, po the posh graduation party inside. The turtles find a bunch of paperwork and photographs of the Texan, Howard, and the brass cow. However, they also discover that they're in room 215, the wrong place. As April is prowling the party looking for clues, she's spotted by Howard. April darts out into the lobby where she's accosted by three men, Mikhail Smengi and his brothers, Luca and Luca. Unfortunately, April has stumbled into a rendezvous between the Smengi brothers and the Texan, a $10 million meeting that they all want to keep a secret. Howard gags April and tells the brothers to take her with them. Howard also gives Mikhail a briefcase full of money and an address. The Texan then complains about loose ends, and Howard says that he'll take care of things. Back in the hotel room, the Turtles decide that this case is too complicated and the police need to be notified. As they head out, they see that April's being kidnapped. The guys scramble down the parking lot, but they're too late to stop the van holding their friend uh, from escaping. The turtles pile into their truck and head off to chase the van. Casey goes into a restroom inside the hotel to gather his thoughts. He sits on top of a toilet in an empty stall when two guys come in. Casey overhears the two men talking about a prize cow at Norman Witte's place at Route 116. After the men leave, Casey dashes out into the parking lot to get to his truck so he can investigate, except the truck is gone. Undaunted, Casey hails a cab. Meanwhile, the turtles have followed the van to an old garage in the woods. Inside, there are three brothers carrying weapons, a bound April is, and a well-wrapped cow. As April berates her captors and warns them that she has friends, the turtles burst in and kick the shell out of the Smengis. Once the brothers are tied to a post, the turtles start to interrogate them. The men walk, talk to each other in Slovakian, which angers Raph and he threatens them. Under duress, Mikhail it explains that the brass cow was stolen from his family by their older brother Louis before the revolution. They've, they've returned to steal the brass cow back and then sell it to Mr. Cudworth, who collects antique cows. April finds the story dubious as $10 million is involved. Raph gets even angrier and decides to bash the cow to bits. Mikhail then panics and exclaims that the cow is solid gold. 
and that it had been stolen before the revolution so that the new dictator wouldn't be able to use its wealth. They now want to sell it and share the wealth with their people. Leo's a bit suspicious, but he wants to see how things will play out before calling the police. In particular, Leo is interested in the Texans' role in these events. Leo hatches a plan that will allow them to get the real story. Back at the hotel, the Texan receives a phone call from Leo, who tells the rich man that the deal goes down tonight and that they want an additional $5 million. This does not please the Texan, but he gathers up his forces and heads out. Meanwhile, Casey has arrived at Norman's place on Route 116 in the taxi. Casey is jubilant about finding the cow and heads into the barn with glee, only to discover that the cow inside is real. Just then, Norman shows up with a shotgun and yells at Casey to get away from his prize-winning heifer. Casey fast-talks his way out of the situation and piles back into the cab, ordering the very unhappy driver to take him back to the hotel. Back at the Smengi garage, the turtles are decked out in trench coats and firearms, awaiting their meeting with the Texan. The men show up and the turtles demand the money. Howard then asks where the Smengi brothers are, and the Texan demands to see the cow. Mike unwraps the cow only to reveal that it's a fake. As tempers flare, the Smengis crash through the garage door in a flatbed truck with the real brass cow chained to the bed. A short fire erupts between the Texans men and the turtles, but the millionaire and his henchmen take off to chase the Smengis. The turtles pile into their own truck and bolt in hot pursuit. As the Smengis truck barrels down the road, they pass Casey's cab. Casey then grabs the wheel of the cab, spins it around, and scares the driver to death, and then Casey screams at him, follow that cow! The cab gains on the truck, and Casey jumps onto the hood of the truck and leaps onto the cow. Casey uh, causes Mikhail to crash the vehicle into a ditch and shouts, you pukes are under arrest. But then the Texan shows up, and Howard yells, correction, you're all under arrest. As the millionaire wonders what's going on, Howard explains that he's an undercover secret service agent. It turns out that the Texan, whose real name isn't Cudsworth, it's actually Emil Bujenkniak, is in the business of buying and selling stolen national treasures. Howard has been working with Bujenkniak for two years, waiting to build enough of evidence to bust him. Howard calls in his backup and two helicopters appear. The turtles and April arrive on the scene, but then the turtles bail out of the truck as April drives up to see what's going on. When April arrives, Howard wants to hear why she and Casey are involved in the case. Casey explains everything in long detail, and Howard demands to talk to the four men who helped April escape. April tells the secret agent that her allies wish to remain anonymous and pleads that they all just be let go as everything turned out fine. The agent begrudgingly admits that Casey and April helped solve the case and agrees to forget about their friend's involvement, filing it under unmentionables. Casey and April walk off arm in arm as the criminals are let off in handcuffs. The turtles have witnessed everything from the safety of the woods. <laughs> That's us, huh? Leo quips. The unmentionables. Ain't it the truth, adds Mikey. Hmm. Riveting. Yeah, you can tell this was a Kevin Eastman joint. <laughs> there's a there's a lot that goes on in this book yeah it's it's almost i don't know the way the way the plot moves and stuff feels very similar to body count like when it's, you're so you know summarizing oh, yeah. it the whole cops trying to get the the gang type thing it's, absolutely yeah it's it's just it's wild how much goes on in this book it is so dense <laughs> Well, 
Should we talk about it more in the second time around? <laughs> I think so. Let's go. Hey, nice junk. Well, because Kevin said they were creating it back in 87, I think. Uh, yeah, so this would be about that time. Yeah, cool. I, I'm thinking about getting that director's cut. I just listened to the episode on uh, Turtle Tales Radio where they talked Shout about Shout out to Turtle Tales Radio. Shout out to Turtle Tales yeah. Radio. But him and uh, Zach Norris from Booyaka Show. Booyaka Show. Love Zach. He's a good guy. Yeah, they seem both pretty cool. But they were both talking about it, and it's got some really cool stuff in there, including just the original outline for what the original idea for the story was. Anyway, yeah. it's, they it's put, sounds they worth put checking just out. enough in there. There's not any spoilers or anything. It's just like issue one, uh, the notes for it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I got, I've got it bagged and boarded. I just I have not looked at it yet. Yeah, I really the need to. Cut. I was kind of holding out because I was hoping they'd put it in like the the full like book that will come out later with all the issues together oh i'm sure i thought they were going to do that but they may not and so i'm worried about it and i really want to read that stuff so we'll see what i do i'm sure there'll be like a collected edition and then like a ultra deluxe oversized hardcover with like everything in it that runs like that'll be the one i get that'll That'll be the one one i get too i need that uh this issue also had a pinup by francis mao and um a sketch by peter layard's brother and I had heard stories that like Peter Laird really wanted to name Donatello Donatello, but Kevin Eastman wanted to use the name Bernini. Yeah, I'd heard mm-hmm. Bernini a lot. Peter Laird's brother is named Don. And so I think that's why he was pushing for it so hard. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of cool. You can also kind of tell with the like opening letter that like a crack has formed at Mirage. Like they're just way too into like getting this media empire off the ground. Because not only are they not working on issues together, but Peter's going to start lo- working on Command of Source with uh, Steve Bissett. And then Kevin's working on Melting Pot with uh, Eric Talbot. So they're not working on Turtles and they're working on separate side projects. And then like as we go, like the next first uh, issue 13, the first page notes are really short. And issue 14 has none and has like this weird cow print instead. <laughs> so issue 13... Like I mentioned earlier, this is the first issue in the main line not worked on by Kevin or Peter. It's also the first without a wraparound cover. It looks like it should wrap around, but the back is black with uh, the turtles at the bottom. Hmm. Yeah. And you know what's really weird? This does kind of feel very different. Oh, yeah. Than than a normal Kevin Peter issue. it almost feels like it should have been a Tails issue. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Mikey makes more jokes on this one, I feel like, than he has been before. I mean, he made like pop culture references and stuff in in different issues, or at mm. least two I imagine was Mikey. Could I maybe it was supposed to be some of the other ones? But I feel like this is one where he's like really like hitting it with the jokes a lot, and it's coming from Michelangelo specifically. Yeah. He calls the the aliens like the roided out Herculoids. Yeah, yeah. And they, I have heard of the Herculoids. I've never watched the Herculoids, but they I do look the, like the Herculoids. Oh, I used to love the Herculoids. Yeah, and he's he's right. They look like the Herculoids. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even know Herculoids were an actual thing. I just thought it was creative name calling because uh, no, like Herculoids are. That's Hanna Barbera. That's one of the best Hanna Barbera cartoons. That's the. Back in the Birdman Galaxy Trio days. Mm-hmm. Huh. 
What do you know? I watched a ton of Cartoon Network. <laughs> <laughs> we do get a really cool ad in this issue for TMNT Adventures. It's just like the inked uh, cover of that first issue. But it's just cool to see it like in black and white in a in a book being advertised. It's really neat. Well, that, see, that's cool. Like that's kind of stuff I wish. I mean, there's no way they would have put that in like the colored classics version that I read. But like that's that's the kind of cool stuff of having these original issues yeah, would give you. Yeah. So was this issue included in Color Classics series then? Uh, it was. Huh. Yeah, because it's not in the Ultimate Collection. So to read this one, I read it from the series just called Classics. So I read it in. Uh, it's the last issue of Colored Classics Volume Two. Huh. Oh, is it? Okay. Because I I was looking through my Color Classics and it went from survivalist to unmentionables so okay I, it is in the digital version so if you if you're reading the physical one i don't know yeah i have them in physical yeah Who knows? interesting so if you're reading along with us and you're having a hard time finding this issue that's where you'll find it yep yeah. so <laughs> color classics uh volume two is where you can find this particular issue mm-hmm. or classics number one did you teenage mutant turtles classics Number one, it's also in there. Awesome. I, I really like the design of Jana and Moira, mm-hmm. or Moriah. Uh, I just, I think they're neat. Like I really I really like the cover. It's a yeah. really cool cover. Yeah. Yeah, they're cool space, you know, space fight, you know, space people clothes, and like armor looking stuff. It, it was a cool fight issue yeah uh when jana's in that giant robot suit and raft goes to like kick her out of it right he says robots make my skin crawl and that's what leo said about mausers back in issue two and someone said about the void too so like someone at mirage really doesn't like robots (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's michael dooney it must be michael dooney yeah it's gotta be dooney (laughs) yeah be the doonster uh dooney Dedicated this issue to Jack Kirby, and he also did a pinup with Peter Laird in the back. That's like his character Gizmo with Leonardo. It's kind of cool. Oh yeah, Gizmo is one of those comic books that I've heard is good, and I've always wanted to like give it a shot, but it's kind of hard to. I've never read a single issue. Yeah, I'm trying. I know I talk about these pinups a lot. If you're if you follow us on Instagram, Ninja Turtle PH, I'm trying to put them up there every week after the episode drops. So that's good content. You got a you got an idea of what I'm looking at. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the Unmentionables? There's a lot going on in that issue. Yeah. 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 There's also a lot of Easter eggs. There are. Yeah. Like got one another of my... Chet alert. Another Chet alert. So uh, Casey, when he is trying to give the note to the woman at the front desk, he says he works for Chet's note delivery service, which is a very specific, very specific delivery service. <laughs> Yeah, aren't those called telegrams? Hey, telegrams, letters, yeah, <laughs> but, a letters. Note, but a note delivery service. <laughs> I don't know. That just that part was really funny. Yeah. And then Casey walks past Mirage Studios at the beginning when he's walking through Northampton. Yep. yep. And he talks yeah. about someone inside is uh, either working late or playing hacky sack. It's hard to tell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> typical, typical Mirage thought it was a good uh, gag apparently louis variety was a store that eastman worked at in high school that's where the the cow was stolen from 
mm-hmm. this issue. Apparently, the cow was actually on a place called Nicely's Market, but Eastman worked at Louis Variety. I noticed too the sign for Louis Variety says, uh, "You can't beat our meat." So, little, <laughs> punk, little fun joke for you. Oh, jeez, <laughs> lewd. <laughs> Did you also know that? Well, the other thing that he that Kevin Eastman mentions in the commentary for this issue is that it was based on a story of a bunch of like it, the, it, that cow was stolen in real life oh, yeah. by some high schoolers as a high school prank is what he said or maybe it was college students either way it was students but they stole it and they put it in the team they were going to be playing against as youths like yeah the youth those evil youth yeah. stole the cow and they put it in like the football field or like in the lawn of the other school now did they make a fake cow and frame it and fill it with like stones and then like get someone from what Slavia to buy it from them <laughs> that no the rest of this was based Slovakia. on a movie yeah the, re- yeah the rest of this was inspired by the movie the untouchables yeah i've uh, never seen that movie so i don't know I how haven't it either compares. i remember my dad really liked it but i also remember it was a movie i wasn't allowed to watch so okay never saw it <laughs> so it must have been great then. Must have been your great parents. Death. Yeah, your parents don't let you watch crappy movies. <laughs> like yeah. I've I've heard of I've heard of the movie, but it's I, I don't know. I've never really been a fun like like a like mobster noir guy. Like it's fun, <laughs> but it's got to be written really well. Yeah, in the same way. Yeah. Uh, they do the my brother Luca and my other brother Luca. Which I think is what my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl from New yeah. Heart. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I have that here is a parody from the sitcom New Heart. Yeah. Which I, I that I, I'm not gonna I mean it was on. I was five when it finally ended, but could not have tell you anything other than Bob Newhart was on it. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Eastman said he did take a lot of the jokes in this from or uh, like Saturday Night Live sketches and uh, other things like that from the time. That makes sense. Yeah. Which is probably uh, why they were so funny sometimes. I mean, yeah, probably. Also, this episode was uh, loosely adapted into The Golden Puck from 2003. Mm-hmm. I just barely remember that episode. Although I, I usually barely remember this comic, so I'm not saying a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's the one with the cow, right? Uh, that's my opinions on it but (laughs) (laughs) so i wonder is this the story that inspired the idea for making casey detective and like out of the shadows is this where that came from i think that's a bit of a stretch (laughs) to assume that anybody that watched the or that made that movie i mean this book i just imagine them i just i don't know i can imagine them being like (laughs) casey jones who's casey jones and they're just like uh Here's a comic book that stars him, and they read him, and he's like, okay, so he tries to solve mysteries. We'll make him a detective. Like, well, they didn't read it. They flipped through the first five pages. Exactly. Like, oh, he's a detective. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a PI or something. We'll make him a detective. Yeah. And one day I'm going to be a detective. Man, just make a new character. Right. Yeah. Man. Become Hokage. That is my dream, to become a detective. <laughs> that is my ninja way. <laughs> my ninja way. Date by ho. Casey, believe it. <laughs> oh man, come here for a Naruto joke. <laughs> the Ninja Turtle podcast—it's all related. 
Uh, the other thing I thought I was cool. I actually figure falling over in embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I think is cool is that a lot of the art in this was done from actual pictures of Northampton that Kevin Eastman went around and took. Like, yeah, like there, oh, yeah? there's a there's a yeah kind of a different look to some of the buildings that like they don't look like just random buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, they all kind of fit together in a very specific way that you really would only get if you were drawing from real life like in using real references because when we see them draw like new york it's buildings it's not like it's it's just they're just square buildings right and they're all on top of each other yeah yeah whereas like here like they're a bit more organic and that kind of like these were planned out buildings Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. so i thought that was really cool uh especially since like the northampton hotel is an actual hotel in northampton and everything so the fact that they really, really dug into the fact that they were in the town that Mirage Studios was in is is a cool thing. I wonder if they like actually went into room two fifteen, like, you know, if he counted over like from the photo reference if that was two fifteen, you know. Uh-huh. I don't know if you got that specific, but I have a weird story about buying this issue. I was at a comic shop in like it was Minneapolis and. It's called like the vault or vault comics or something like that. But like they literally had a basement with a vault in it that you couldn't go downstairs and get to. So like the guy behind the counter was like, you looking for anything? I'm like, I'm looking for old Ninja Turtles. Here's what I'm looking for. And they had number 14. He's like, yeah, it's downstairs. I'm like, oh, can I go down there? He's like, no, give me a second. He pulls out a walkie talkie and he walkie talkies a guy that's downstairs who brings this comic up for me. Like just loose, not even in a bag or anything. He's like, yeah, it'll be like, uh, I don't know, 10 bucks. I'm like, okay, this is the weirdest transaction I've ever had, but sure, yeah. <laughs> Real strange, but yeah. Okay. Uh, apparently, Casey fantasizing um, about being a detective is brought up again in the one-shot Casey Jones Private Eye. That was part of Mirage Mini Comics, right? Yeah. So maybe that is what they based Out of the Shadows Casey on. They just read the title and they were like, they okay, just read that title and they're like, cool, that's what he is. Yeah. Sports mask, yeah, we don't know what that's about. But yeah. Uh, and then also, according to Turtlepedia, due to the winter setting, this story must chronologically be at the end of Exile to Northampton. Hmm. Okay. So chronologically, yeah, this has to be the last story before they go back to New York. Oh. See, I was reading on TMNT Entity that like the way he does the timeline they're in northampton for two years okay so this will be wow. the end of their first year but like i it's not that important how long they're in northampton or whatever but yeah like it, it is winter time ish when they go back for a city at war so yeah well that's what's interesting about uh this issue in these stories is that unlike the movie or you know many of the other things where they have to return to new york there isn't really like anything that's like pressing them to have to go there you know shredder does not have splinter captured you know there is no like in 2012 when they do this there is no alien invasion that is currently yeah mutating things in new york there's nothing like saying there's no no, there's no sense of urgency yeah Yeah. there's no sense Um, of urgency it's like the happiest accident to them too because like this is right when ninja turtles was taking off and kevin and peter were busy doing like their whole media empire things so like they could yeah. just have the turtles bum around northampton and bring in guest artists and stuff and the happiest yeah. of accidents and so like so yeah like so this is this kind of being the end of that northampton arc like 
I think it's really cool that it kind of does take place over two years. Um, it feels weird because in all the other versions, like like we said, like there's that sense of urgency where they, they have to come out here to reset for a little bit and then get back to New York to fight the bad guys. But like if they're gone for two years, that's a lot of downtime. Yeah, even a year is a lot of it, Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. the movie, like, they're gone maybe a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like later that day they come back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's enough for penicillin to grow on a pizza. So we know that. Ah, true. But yeah, like, it's just, if it's two years, that's wild to me. Right. I don't... I know he's got a timeline on his website. This is TMNT Entity. If you're ever looking for, like, reviews and how things fit together in old Mirage comics. That's like the, the one that I use. And he's got a whole timeline of like how all these tales issues fit into that year and all this other stuff. Guys done his research. That's what we love guys who do their research. But before we get to what we love, we have to talk about what might be our longest section in this episode. Which is anchovies. <laughs> you mean longer than my synopsis? of the unmentionables? <laughs> I mean, maybe for you guys, I, I don't have much. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I can't let you know. I honestly don't have much either. Yeah. Um, I, I... <laughs> so the survivalists wasn't, was, wasn't bad. It was fun. I did think it was really weird that Donatello sympathized with them at the end. See, and anyway, that, that's one of the things I actually kind of liked. Like, uh, I, I I guess I just thought it was weird, mm-hmm. um, more so than like I didn't like it. It was just it was just weird seeing that come out of Donatello. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like not liking, like I actually really like Survivalists. Um, uh, the uh, pff, I don't know why I can't remember the middle issue. Um, uh, the People's Choice, like that as actually kind of my anchovy for it it's kind of largely forgettable um like i said when we were in second time around it feels like it should have been a tales issue not a main story issue mm, i agree i felt that way about issue nine as well when they're like little kids like, yeah and it feels like it should be a tale not a main series but but i mean we're getting close to the guest era which almost the entire thing feels like it should have been a tale <laughs> so. true yeah, yeah true there is there is like some development though like in, in these couple of issues we get that don doesn't like guns like he smashes yeah. one in issue 12 and presumably that's him saying that he doesn't like them and his isn't loaded uh mm-hmm. in issue 14 mm-hmm. it's kind of cool and the, yeah don's come a long way from like if you remember what five or issue five or six when he like breaks his bow staff on that triceraton and then runs him through with it and now yeah. he's like not wanting these guys to blow themselves up like he's come a long way in the yeah. non-violence department <laughs> yeah that is one thing that i'll say is kind of interesting uh, is that they went from you know him definitely being like a part of killing people to now he's like i don't like guns you know i feel bad about him dying it does definitely seem like a, a personality shift <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um speaking of like none of the turtles kill these guys Mm -mm. you know and it's such a like you said it's such a big shift from you know the earlier issues where they were killing people in self-defense like they're literally going after terrorists Mm -hmm. and just they incapacitate them they knock them out yeah well i mean 
Raphael almost kills someone, but then Splinter he, I mean, tells yeah, him okay, to stop. So there's there's <laughs> that one, but they stop him. Whereas, like, yeah. I feel like earlier Mirage, they would have let like Splinter would have just been like, I, I'm, I don't yeah. see what you're doing, and look at like, around. They don't kill, and then there's Raphael, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's sociopath Raphael. Yeah, which this is, and this we're is, just kind of meant to be like, oh, Raph. Yeah, this is kind of the issue that gives me the idea of, of like they have a code back in these series. You know, they don't kill essentially unless it's like the foot or someone that they're at war with. Essentially, yeah, yeah. giant space aliens, something mm-hmm. like self defense, I guess as well. Yeah, but I gotta think that like Splinter in this issue has to have the best hearing in the world because like skunk shoots shoots from 600 yards away and hits that guy they mentioned it's 600 yards right mm-hmm. but then splinter he knows that the guy's name is skunk he knows that there's five other guys which just seems like it in a book about mutant turtles like that seems amazing to me that he knows all that information before meeting anyone which mm-hmm. makes me think that it's possible splinter set this whole thing up i don't know <laughs> Yeah, no, that is, that's my one anchovy for this issue is like Splinter just immediately knows too much. Like he senses that Skunk is Skunk when he sees him. He's like, I sense you're the one called Skunk. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's a little too, you know, it's definitely done for convenience, but it's a little, it's a little much. And that's like the one problem I have with this issue. Yeah. So to me, the, the whole issue kind of feels like, a, like it's handled really well, I think, but the whole concept kind of feels like a stretch. Like I work at a university. I know grad students. They could not build an atomic bomb. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm that's, sorry, like, that's a little <laughs> bit of a stretch. And then like, what they were gonna let the bomb off, and that was gonna prove how good they were survivalists or something. But like, bomb a nuclear bomb kills everything, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like they'd have to get so far away from the explosion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that was part of the point of this though was to just kind of show how stupid they are. Yeah, illogical yeah. they are. Yeah. Like, and now, like, what are yeah. the turtles going to do with the plutonium core that Donatello took out of that thing? Why like, give it to the Iranians so that they if, can give it to Doc Brown? There you go. <laughs> I was gonna, like, they don't have the like, Libyans. The, oh man, uh, they don't have the neutrino car or anything to pop it into, right? So for issue thirteen. I don't really have any problems with it. Like, you know, it's it's not like it was like monumental, I guess. Mm. Like I said, but, it, it, it was largely forgettable. Like I literally forgot it while I was trying to describe it to you. <laughs> yeah, issue 13, like it's not a guest era issue, right? But it feels it has a lot of the pacing of a guest era issue where there's like these other two characters that are in some kind of entanglement and the turtles are just kind of there, yeah. right? They just happen to be there at the same time. But like the whole John and Mariah story, that's like another comic entirely, right? Yeah, like there's a lot going on there that like feels like we don't know about, which granted, like that makes the turtles our POV characters because they know about just about as much going on that we do. But it just, it feels so disconnected and the turtles don't do anything. Yeah. Other than like, oh, we should help you. Right. Yeah. I do remember my one like anchovy for this issue. It's like the planet they're from, his name is Slandon. 
like <laughs> terrible name. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like that sounds like the name like a Utah mom would give her child, you know, like <laughs> Slandon. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever, I don't know. I've known like guys named Declan and all sorts of things. Oh, no, really yeah. Names here. I don't know if that's a thing or all across the whole United States. Oh, yeah. But here in Utah, we make jokes about it all the time. Landon and Jaden and Brandon. Yeah. See, those uh, you just, are, named, you just named like three of my cousins. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got family in, in the Oots too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like largely, largely this issue is just forgettable. And this is one of those things where like these characters are never going to show up again. Yeah. And, and like, does Donatello keeps the lock, keeps that lock of her hair she leaves him. But like, does he ever reminisce a bit about her again? Well, and why does she leave it? Why does she leave it in the first place? One, but two, why does Don get it? And why is like Don the one that's in love with her? Like, I don't even think they even yeah, talk to each other. It wasn't even hinted at. I think yeah. he saved her at one point in the fight. Like he was the one that jumped in and stopped Mariah from killing her. Okay. So she could kind of be grateful to him for that. I guess. And Donatello just being a teenager probably just thinks she's hot. And the fact uh, that yeah, she true. left a braid of hair with him, he's just like, oh yeah, she likes me. I you know? guess. He's a teenager. True. I would take, it doesn't matter where they're from, what universe, how much I've talked to them. I will take any woman's hair anytime, any place. <laughs> every male teenager ever <laughs> i mean if she's hot and she leaves you a token <laughs> man you're into her <laughs> yeah uh issue 14 it was, yeah. it was too long oh gosh i got so frustrated reading it <laughs> because it was so long and dense mm-hmm yeah, I'm, um, I'm always on the fence about this, but I, I think I don't like this issue. It's, I don't, I don't know. And like, I guess you'd have to read it. You'd have to be in the mood to read it. And we mentioned this before we started recording. This issue is only one page longer than Survivalists. Yeah, but it but takes it 20 feels, more minutes to read. It yeah. takes 20 more minutes to read. And it's like, it's, it, and that blew my mind. <laughs> Like I was legitimately surprised (laughs) and it's, it's just so wild to me that this is, that this issue is one page longer than, than the other one, but it feels so much longer and reading it takes forever, Mm -hmm. you know, especially like reading it on the comiXology app and guided view. So it's like guided view just takes you to every word bubble in order. Mm -hmm. Oh goodness. And so, like, that kind of made it seem reading it longer. Yeah, there's a lot of text in this one. Yeah, and and it's all not necessarily good text. Um, like, we t- we talked about that uh, Kevin was throwing a lot of Saturday Night Live jokes in here. They all don't land. <laughs> right. You know, I, mean, I don't know. Obviously, like, this is my least favorite of the three, but yeah <laughs> that, that, length, that length is just killer and also like for me reading it in like the condition i was reading it in um like you know on comicsology and in that guided view it it me it seemed very disjointed and kind of hard to follow because yeah. there was also so much dialogue yeah and there's a lot of stuff going on like my least favorite part about this issue is at the end when they all reveal that they're not who they are 
but like i couldn't remember who they were in the first place like i wasn't keeping track of any of the people and like oh no i'm not the texan i'm actually from uh this other country and I'm yeah not, this guy i'm actually a detective and the cow's not gold it's actually brass and like everything is not what it was but yeah, i wasn't like, paying attention enough anyway. too many there's too many like it's really this oh it's really i'm really this guy and yeah. like yeah, this there, issue there's too much going on. This issue almost feels like a fever dream to me because, like, Casey is not a detective. Uh, I don't know that we ever see April Waitress again. Like, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that Casey had a fever, and this is just the dreams he was having at the okay, time. Okay, see, see, I, I thought that this was going to be a like a special tales issue inside the main line mm-hmm. because of the cover. Like, the cover seems like one of those like things they do in manga and stuff like where they draw the characters in fun clothes and or like in a different situation and stuff mm-hmm. and so i was like oh like this is a cool like one-off issue like it's even got like the graffiti the unmentionables over the tmnt logo mm-hmm. yeah so like i went into it thinking it was a very different thing and like even even the first couple pages where it's casing doing that noir um narration i was like what is going on <laughs> when it when it finally like started shifting i was like oh this isn't a one-off story what about you spence what, what didn't you like about it honestly like i really enjoyed it this go around <laughs> like yeah, I know you yeah i know that you talked about like enjoying it or not enjoying it sometimes keith and being on the fence about it and before mm-hmm. i have read it and been like ah. but this time around i did really enjoy it i will say though that i do agree with you that you do often forget uh who the villain characters are and like which one is which yeah because it just introduces so many and there's so much like them trying to throw them off the trail and then switch them up and it's not like you know their strengths are creating uh very recognizable faces and distinct faces and so it's, it's right easy to lose them amongst the rest of them yeah i remember the last time i read this i really enjoyed it so i was really looking forward to getting back into it and then i read it again i'm like man that was kind of a slog to get through yeah i think it depends on yeah the mood you're in i guess when reading it i don't know and, yeah and now i want to go watch the uh no the untouchables i want to watch the movie mm-hmm. and then read this book i wonder if that would like would it Help make more sense more? would i get it yeah 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 no after reading this issue i also want to go and watch the untouchables just movie to night. see well then since i actually enjoyed this issue <laughs> Let's eventually talk about why at the end of I Love Being a Turtle. I love being a turtle! So I thought it was funny in Survivalists when they smash the guy's glasses and go, oops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he stumbles through his glasses, fall on the ground. He's like, oh, no, I can't see a thing without my glasses. And they're like, is that so? And they just step on his glasses. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> nice, easy, convenient way for them to never explain why these turtles are talking to to the guy yeah i think like peter layer draws some amazing scenery mm-hmm. like yeah, I, I, yeah. page There's... 14 when they're like hiding out in the cliffs and the river like that's like one of my yeah. favorite pages of ninja turtles like um the splash page with skunk and splinter staring at each other yeah uh that was really good um that was that was really really cool um i loved leo and raf like in the in the water like being stepping stones yeah that was a good bit that was that was really cool and like i even noticed that like they took their belts off so you they wouldn't 
stand out as belt as uh, shells. Right. Ninjas uh, are masters of their environment. Man. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, and they also get to use their you know water friendly nature as turtles. You know, right. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I just the scenery is great. I think uh, you know Kevin Eastman gets all the credit for like the action layouts, but like Peter Laird is no slouch himself. Mm-hmm. You can really follow along like this guy's getting hit with a rock here that leads to this leads to them looking at Michelangelo hanging on the cliff. Like it all works really well. Really it does. Like it. it moves very smoothly. He does a good job. Yeah. And like, that's why like it, it blew my mind that this issue was almost just as long as the Unmentionables because this feels so fast and everything makes sense. And like, yeah, like, it, it, it was it was great i i loved this issue it was probably my favorite of the third yeah this one was my favorite uh i like the uh <laughs> they call it i mean we already talked about it you know that the anagram for their name is crap i thought that was a funny <laughs> joke it makes yeah. me laugh uh the bickering between don and Raphael. you know it's not just leo and and Raphael fighting all the time uh you know don and raf clash in this issue yeah and I, I enjoyed that bit. I like the the family conflict. Uh, another thing I thought was great was Donnie's internal conflict on disarming the bomb or not. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of like, I don't know if that's something I could really handle. Yeah, I thought that was really, I thought that was cool. Like, because, you know, we're so used to Donatello being like, does machines. Mm-hmm. So to see him kind of like, hey, this is kind of out of my element. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I do machines, I don't do bombs. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, like that's that's kind of I want to see more of that in like when they do Donatello. Like, it, it's always fun when he has the answer to everything, but to have him kind of like, hey, I don't understand this, mm-hmm. and like have that frustrate him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a great like internal thing for donatello to work through as a character arc yeah i i like that he's like more the realist in the situation he's like we can't mm-hmm. you know, this is too far progressed for us to do anything we need to just like bolt and save ourselves you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he eventually you know his his inner conscience wins out on him he's just like oh heck and he just you know <laughs> and he does it anyway yeah yeah he goes and does it anyway he's he's deciding like do i do it do i not and he's like ah, i gotta do it i can't i can't yep. not and he runs off and, and goes and does it so it's a cool it's a cool kind of arc for him yeah i enjoy this it. almost feels like it should have been donatello number one instead of what we got for instead donatello. of instead of kirby yeah mm-hmm. yeah 100 it's a much better character analysis of him yeah uh my favorite part of the book was uh one the the guy puke uh pulling out the nunchuck against Mikey yeah <laughs> <laughs> and Mikey like oh this is this, this is too yeah. good to be true a fellow yeah. chucker eh <laughs> I almost expected him to say it but then I was like ah we're before the movie but also I kind of wish that the movie would have taken that from this right yeah, this is a whole. Well, the thing that's extra funny about this one is like in the movie it's a ninja, but in this it's just a yeah. schmo. Yeah. The, it's a redneck. <laughs> yeah, a schlubby redneck dude. Pulls Which is funny because ninja. like you know it was it was the eighties, so like ninja, you know ninja pop culture was everywhere in the eighties. So of course a redneck would have a nunchuck. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And he's just like, Stubuck, I know how to use this. And Michelangelo's, this is too good. <laughs> yeah. Getting a kick out of that was it. My, that was my favorite bit of the book. Yeah. That one was good. I also liked uh, seeing Splinter get to be a wise master with his monologue to Skonk. Uh, you know, get to like, you know, hide in the shadows and also get to, you know, come out and do like the nerve pinch and all those uh, different things. Yeah. It's the first for time in like since like the return of the shredder that we've actually gotten to see splinter do something well and in the return of the shredder all he really does is catch that arrow which like Mm -hmm. super badass but like this is the first i think fight since the mausers that he's really got into it and like attacked yeah yeah Yeah. and it's a good fight scene with him i mean granted he he underestimates skunk and skunk gets away but (laughs) yeah it's still a cool fight scene um, I really liked how they had Donatello's thoughts at the end. Like, even though it, it is kind of a shift in personality because before he murdered, uh, I like how they kind of bring up that despite how much you may disagree with someone, that every human being deserves some sympathy and compassion and the human life in general is valuable. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like that uh, message a lot. It resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah, I get the idea that you know Donatello is definitely Peter Laird's favorite turtle, <laughs> and and maybe muddled after himself a little bit. Yeah, shall we move on to issue thirteen? Yeah, let's get on to issue thirteen. All right, man. So like, uh, what Mariah and her gang land on Earth, and that pterodactyl man, he like looks at the cow and tries to tell them yeah. to come in peace. <laughs> I me I up. screen I screenshotted that and. Thank you for reminding me because I'm going to set that as my cover photo on Facebook because Perfect. that was just too funny. <laughs> doesn't doesn't that guy kind of look like Kermit the Frog though? Like, yeah. I that... looked at his face and he kind of looks like Kermit the Frog and I couldn't help but read any of his lines in a Kermit the Frog voice after that. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, Earthlings. We yeah. no harm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Greetings, Earthlings. <laughs> uh it's too good. That was a pretty good impression, Mike. I'm impressed. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, I that like that bit was funny. Um, I think it was. It, I think I think it was this issue where we we heard them say "turtles fight with honor," mm-hmm. yeah. um, which I believe is the first time they said that. Yeah, every time yeah. before it's been "turtles die with honor," which you know that's fine, but. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they do that in a in situation well, because last time they said it was with the Mousers, and so they were in a situation where it looked like they were going to die. Yeah, so they were yeah, been that die. long. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing I liked about this was like the creative solutions that they find to to defeat the monsters. You know, it's definitely not like we can't just kick and, and slice these guys. You know, we got to figure out that one's killed by water. We got to find out. You know, we got to get the one with the bombs to to blow himself up, you know, or to, to knock the bombs back at him because uh, we can't beat him with our weapons. So I kind of like, like that they had to find a way to beat him. I agree, but I like uh, how Leonardo takes care of the giant Pac-Man guy. Like, he's got, like, eight eyes and a huge mouth, right? Uh-huh. He stands on top of him, and he says, it's like the saying goes, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, which usually when someone says that, they, like, trip them and they roll down a cliff or whatever. No. Leonardo just stabs him through the head. Right through the head. <laughs> Why'd you say anything, man? Just stab him. 
Yeah, that line didn't make sense there. I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah, the monsters were still fun though. I liked the way they looked. Mm. Uh, it, it was just a fun story. You know, it's one of those ones where you just kind of get a kick out of it. You get to see some turtles fighting monster action. It's just a good time. Yeah, like, like I said, it, it's not a bad issue at all. It's just kind of forgettable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's not that's not a knock against it. It's just. It's just not the best issue. Yeah, it's definitely the second best out of these three. Goonies art is always a treat to look at for me. I, it is. I like. I like his goofy looking turtles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel Janet. Janet kind of. She's not super consistent, though. I think that was the only thing that bugged me about her. Like sometimes, like her hair kept changing. Well, she was cutting off parts of it. Oh I'm yeah, that's the yeah, end. yeah. But <laughs> I I, it just it, it felt like it, it felt like um like her look wasn't super consistent. I did think branding Moira or Mariah was hilarious though, <laughs> just right on the face. Yeah, I'm not the but only. Then also like who picked up Mariah? Did like did Mariah run back to her ship or? That's what I'm saying. Like they say that like when she branded her, that also let the people of her planet know that she was defeated, which I'm assuming means that someone came and picked her up, but like they would have assumed that she would have died, right? Because it was a fight. Yeah, like death. I I assume well she says like her control rod or whatever it was, um like told everybody back home. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was confused on that. It, that. now and it's like does she have to does she have to brand her does she have to like brand the bad the enemy? in order to like prove that she lost i don't know yeah i i'm that's not weird. the only one that sees the the penis though right uh it i didn't, didn't see it it didn't look phallic to me I, so, okay yeah uh, well I, so, so far so far out of the three of us i think uh, you're the uh, only one that's seen well uh hey spencer how good are your editing skills not <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> nope, leave that all on there, there. Yeah, yeah. nope you threw it in there leave it all in there <laughs> It's too late, it man. You said <laughs> it. I, I see Spencer's looking it up right now. He's going to see it now. I've said something. I'm looking I, it up too. I yeah, just I'm... I don't see it. Really? Okay. So there's a circle, nope. right? And there's a curve. Look look at look at the camera. Look what I'm doing right now. There's a curve that goes like <laughs> this. I I know what you're yeah, talking about. I'm... I just and there's clearly a glands on the thing. Oh. Yeah, I guess I guess I can <laughs> kind of see it. Yeah, I mean, also the way they have like that one line it it does look yeah i i can i can yeah. see where you're coming from i can see where you're yeah. coming from thank you <laughs> I, I can see where you're coming from <laughs> I, if you say so i like i said i'm it's not i don't see it but i'll, I'll draw it i'll i'll color it in I'll draw i'm it looking in. at it right now in the colored classics version i'll color it anatomically correct how's that uh, all right, sounds sounds good. <laughs> all right, let's talk anyway. about issue fourteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to derail the entire conversation. All right, so I issue it. It's silly, but it's it's. I, I I think I'm being harsher on it than I really need to be. It's not bad. It's just there's so much going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you you had to read it, you know, for a podcast, and you had a limited amount of time, and so I can imagine that it uh. That probably also hurt your uh, experience with it, but yeah, like I think, but also too, like it really needed 
this this is an issue that really needed Peter to kind of like rein in Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that's what I feel like makes him such a good team when they're together. Yeah. Is because yeah. you have you have like Kevin Eastman's like over the top grandiose ideas and stuff but then you have like peter who's kind of able to like rein it in is like, definitely oh, no kevin let's kevin let's rein it in a little bit yeah the, the, if kevin's jelly like just jelly is too sweet right you need that nice yeah that nice peter butter to go along with it <laughs> there yeah, you right? go <laughs> i like it um but but a lot of the action was fun mm-hmm. um and I kind of was hoping that Casey was going to have like his trench coat and hat over the hockey mask the entire time. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a fun look. It's a, it's a fun look. And that, and that's like when it opened like that, I was, that's why I was like, Oh, like this is a fun, like in Casey's head story, mm-hmm. which I think if that was the angle, that would have been, that would have made this more fun. I mean, if you read the the commentary, Kevin Eastman does kind of explain it that way as he sees Casey as a guy that, He's always living in his own head, like living his own adventures and kind mm-hmm. of like making them up as he goes along. You know, mm-hmm. for example, he he goes out to Louie and he's like, I'll get you your cowbell back, Louie, if it's the last thing I do. And the cop is like, who is that guy? And Louie's like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, he's pretending to have like a close relationship with Louie. Yeah, he, and see, and see like it. that, I, I wish they doubled down on that more in the book because mm-hmm. I didn't get that. Like I, I read that but I didn't get that until you just mentioned it. Yeah. I, for me, a lot of the jokes did land. I liked the, the Louie not knowing who he was joke a lot. I thought that was funny. Hmm. Uh, when he goes out uh, following the conversation he overhears in the bathroom and goes in, they're talking about a prize cow and he thinks they're talking in code. And so he goes to this address they're talking about. And he goes into the barn with an actual prize cow. <laughs> yeah. And the farmer chases him out. Uh, when he, you know, steers the wheel over and the cab driver is just terrified. <laughs> and he, you know, jumps out of the car onto the, the cow and everyone's like, this guy's nuts. I, I don't know. I found all those scenes really funny. Mm. Uh, that, that's probably where the most enjoyment for me came out of this issue. Uh, and I think it really made that land that something that Kevin talked about is... Uh, the expressiveness of the characters and their faces in this story. And like, that's definitely what makes the cab driver freaking out joke land so heavily is his face and just the pure look of terror on it as Casey is being a nut job. No one's mentioned it. Should I be the one to do it? Do Do it. it. We get a cowabunga. We do. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it's, and it's not from the turtles. Right. It's from Casey jumping over to the cow. Cowabunga. <laughs> I like, I, I read it and then I was like, oh, he's copying the turtles, not realizing the turtles hadn't said cowabunga until right, right. now. No, that's, at least we didn't get a Goongala. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder why he switches up for this. I don't know. I guess he just yells what he feels like yelling. Makes sense. Uh, I liked the turtles in the Untouchables clothes. I thought they looked kind of cool, kind of funny. Yeah, and that's, Casey like, that's his, funny. I love the cover. Hat. I love the cover of this of this issue. Maybe we should get some action figures of it. Uh, I think somebody I think somebody suggested it to NECA. <laughs> um, 
but no like i love that i love that look um and that's like again like that's why i thought this was going to be a one like a one shot because mm-hmm. it's it just so like different looking it is very different looking and kevin definitely just kind of found a reason to put them in those clothes because he wanted them in those clothes in his issue which i guess is better than what you know dc used to do in their comics in the silver age but <laughs> you know where you'll have some character doing something and then that doesn't happen anywhere in the issue uh like the debut of guy gardner and green lantern he's like has his foot on top of hal and he's like i'm the green lantern now or something like that yeah and then you actually read the issue and it's like here's a story about if the ring went to this other guy instead of how jordan Mm -hmm. has it's nothing like that (laughs) when i like that they just they don't have to resort to wearing like creepy baby masks like they do in the cartoon they're just like all right it's dark enough for whatever we'll put on some farmer clothes and call it good (laughs) yeah that was the thing is like no one like the the bad guys like got up close like close enough to the turtles to see that they were turtle men in clothes but it never comes up yeah i think i almost like this issue better as a fever dream yeah like if it was a a fever dream or just like just all in casey's head or even if it was just written as a one shot this would have been a great issue yeah well that's all i got that's all i got sames all right then let's get to the news this is april o'neill of channel six boy what a news week so first off the bat we got uh the first 20 episodes of season one of rise of the teenage mutant ninja turtles have been added to paramount plus so that is two turtle series now officially on paramount plus if you aren't subscribed there is a seven day trial that you can sign up for that's awesome are they eventually going to put all of them up there i hope I hope so because uh, 20 episodes of season one, there's still six episodes left. So you don't get the finale um, of season one, which is one of the best. So like that whole lead up to it, I think it has something to do with the hiatuses they used to take because this is around the break. The like that. Uh, Cause I think it, it cuts off in November and then they picked up again in like May the next year man so yeah the turtles the rise of the turtles uh schedule was just all over the place it was horrible but uh like i said first 20 episodes of rise of the turtles uh tmnt are on paramount plus go sign up and check that out uh like i'm doing for 2003 yeah i was that was also a factor in me signing up for paramount plus (laughs) to watch 2003 but it's just convenient that it worked out that way yeah, my wife got CBS All Access for the new Star Trek series it was on. And I was like this close to canceling it. Mm. And then they started putting Ninja Turtles on it. I'm like, ah, I'm keeping that forever. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now it's Paramount Plus. And so maybe there'll be more more stuff on there eventually. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully soon. Um, 2012 is still over at Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much longer that deal is going to be for. Um, but I can imagine when it's done there, it's coming to Paramount Plus. So. Yeah, I bet it will be. Uh, I'm amazed that 87 isn't anywhere streaming. So there's been a lot of talk about that actually this week. Um, and the reason why is because from what I gather in just kind of all publicly available information, 
Nick does not have the distribution rights to 87. Okay. Um, hmm. Those are tied up with Lionsgate, who Lionsgate are the ones who are putting it out on DVD. So if you go buy like, you know, that Turtle Van complete series or the one, you know, in the bins at Walmart or whatever, um, those are all published by Lionsgate Media and like you know the movie company Lionsgate so Mm -hmm. when 87 went off the air FHE who had those uh, home distribution rights uh, Lionsgate acquired FHE they've been sitting on them ever since the rights are not for sale or if they are they are more than what Nick wants to pay gotcha Hmm. so roundabout way of saying they don't own it which also kind of explains why they have they've been doing kind of weird things where like the style guide art that they use isn't the style guide for the original show it's kind of a modernized version of it the big headed april and the weird uh pads on the on the elbows and knees. yeah it's like everything kind of looks like it's redrawn to not quite like you know similar but legally distinct from is the term (laughs) gotcha um so yeah, so that's kind of what I've gathered is the reason why. Um, if anybody knows the actual truth, you know, please let us know. But that is what I've kind of put together. Cool. Uh, in toy news, uh, got a couple new things uh, that dropped. We've got uh, the Turtles in Disguise four pack that we talked about uh, about a month ago, I think, on the Facebook page when we uh, posted the box release pictures. Those are showing up in uh, your targets now. Um, two of them were found in uh, one of them was New Mexico, I forget the other state, and then one was in uh, Los Angeles, and two of them went up on eBay immediately. Uh, one sold for over two hundred dollars. Another one sold for three hundred and fifty dollars. Goodness. So, uh, if you were finding them, buy one, leave one for another collector. Do not buy and sell these. They're such a pain to get. But uh, today, on uh, Thursday, April eighth, uh, Randy on Twitter is also on Neca's Twitter is tweeting a bunch that he's going to be. Uh, they're going to be doing a lot of new Ninja Turtle announcements and probably a new pre-order uh, tomorrow, Friday. Uh, so last Friday, by the time you guys listen to this. Uh, also, um, on the first Turtle Tuesday of the month, we got our first official look at the NECA 1990 April figure that's been teased since last year uh, with Judith Hogue uh, releasing a really cool video about how the, how she's involved in the process. And uh, one of my favorite takeaways was it was that uh, NECA doesn't have access to high quality prints that they need for sculpting purposes. And she was actually able to provide a lot of the information that they needed. Um, and I'm really excited to see the other uh, bits of kind of factoids and documentating of the, of the process that she's going to be dropping throughout the month. Um, so definitely check her out. Um, uh, her YouTube channel is Judith Ho Got Us on Fire, uh, Judith Hogue Official on uh, Instagram. Definitely check those out because it's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, the video I was watching, she was talking about how like she still had the earrings that she yeah, wore. Yeah, that's but, like, what got me. Have... I was like, wow. Yeah. You can't yeah. see the earrings on the figure, but um, 
but yeah, uh, the, it's a totally unpainted prototype right now. So we don't know what the final colors are going to be, but based on the outfit, we know it's um, uh, one of the earlier outfits she wears in the movie. Um, I think it's the, sub, the subway scene outfit because she has her giant purse too. Mm-hmm. Man, she rocks those foot soldiers with that purse too. Oh yeah. It's a good scene. It looks like it's big enough to fit a sigh into. So well, maybe. Um, <laughs> it's not the it's not the yellow trench coat that she wears at the beginning of the movie or the yellow raincoat but i mean i'm fine with it. the that outfit and then like the one she wears uh post northampton the little vest and white t-shirt like that's a good look too i wouldn't mind that figure later but no pre-order details probably by the end of the month uh since she's going to be doing weekly news updates which that was really cute too did you see how it was like all channel three news yeah, yeah, it was like the NECA News Channel, and she had like yeah. a fake little microphone. Yeah, it was really cutely done. But. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, biggest biggest toy news of the month for me was was that final that reveal. Yeah, and then another thing is for me anyway, the order just went through on my pre order for that Crane Pop from Clear back in like January. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so if you pre ordered that, it looks like it's out now, or at least it's going through. Oh, that was that. Yeah, that was the Entertainment Earth uh, mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah, yeah. That was I the got Entertainment one coming Earth too. Yeah. Kind of wish I got it now, to be honest. Yeah, I'm a I'm a pops collector, so and usually I don't like '87 stuff, but I saw that one and I was like, I actually like that '87 gray, like that. Actually, the only cool. the only '87 pops I have are uh, Bebop, Rock City, and April. Yeah, which I, apparently I, are the three of the hardest ones to find. Huh. Perfect. Yeah, I just have Casey Jones. This will be the it. first Ninja Turtle pop I have. I don't, so I don't collect pops, but I have like twenty pops. Um, <laughs> don't read into that, but <laughs> that's that's kind of how I am. Like, I don't have very many pops. Like, I have those three. Um, I have the Rocketeer because that's my handle on everything. It's the Rocketeer. Um, uh, I actually just bought one today because it was a cool robot dinosaur from. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn on PS4, and I love that game, and I love that design. And that, oh, and Dark Duck and Launchpad and Scrooge. Nice. Yeah, I try to get like things that I can't get other action figures of. So I have like Radioactive Man from The Simpsons. Uh, nice. I have Proto Man from Mega Man. Uh, I think I have a Batman Beyond. Some other. Oh, I have Doctor Eggman too, because yeah, I'm a sucker for anything Doctor Eggman. Nice. Yeah, I've got I've got quite a few. It's not like I have a massive collection, but it's mostly Dragon Ball. I've got like three different Piccolos, you know. So, <laughs> but you can't guess who my favorite character is. Uh, it's crazy. Or your favorite instrument. Right? <laughs> yeah, and I've got like Tien and Chaozu. I've got that Green Lantern three pack that comes with Guy Gardner, Chip, and Illawar. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I have all the Murlocs from World of Warcraft. Because they had the original one, they had a convention exclusive three pack, and then two other colors, and I actually just ordered my seventh one. That was a BlizzCon exclusive, and that should be shipping at the end of the month. Cool. Yeah. Instead of pops right now, what I have Ninja Turtle wise is the Ikis, which I'm not a fan of most Ikis, but I really like the way the Ninja Turtle ones look. Oh, yeah, I saw those. those yeah, like I threw those, them up uh, on the socials. I don't yeah. think I put it on Twitter, but I did throw them up on Instagram and, and Facebook because I just finished my collection. 
because my mother-in-law gave Raphael <laughs> to me for Easter. That's cool. Shout cool. out to Emily. Great mother-in-law. Hi, Emily. Thanks for listening. Good job, Emily. <laughs> Emily, we've heard only good things. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got the four turtles and Shredder, and there is a Splinter one, but I don't like the way it looks, so I'm never going to get it. But the Shredder one looks super cool, and I like the way the turtles look, yeah. too. Those are, those are cool-looking figures. I like them. Mm-hmm. They're fun. Oh, uh, we got a uh, reveal. Uh, we had a page of um, Splinter from Last Ronin number three. Oh, yeah. And then we got the cover today, the eighth, of Last Ronin number four. Yeah, and it looks like it's got a bow staff in the snow and a book. So I'm guessing we're going to see Splinter and Donnie go out on that number four. I have been in the dark about all of this. That's yep, awesome. uh, that just went up today. Oh, uh, also, uh, back going back to Toy News, uh, there is a special kind of a loot crate, but not really, um, kind of a collab deal with NECA and Stern Pinball Games. Uh, there is a special crate box uh, with an exclusive Shredder variant figure based on his design from the Stern Pinball Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game uh, that is only available at Walmart. It comes with... Uh, figure a beanie a shirt um and a couple other like little tchotchkes it'll run you about 60 bucks uh it is limited edition they have not said the limited edition size but it is one and done so if you go to your uh walmart's right now pick it up that is going to probably be the only one you get hmm didn't even know about that yeah uh it'd been kind of hinted hinted at but uh they finally started officially showing up and uh neca randy uh, confirmed that it is kind of a, just a collab deal. Once it's done, it's done. So issue number six of Jenica 2 in comic book news comes out Wednesday. So the day after you this episode premieres, it comes out April 16th. So head on down to your local no, store. I couldn't have said that in a more complicated way. Right. Hey, you got the point across. I, <laughs> I, got I, the point across. I understood what you were talking the, about. Yeah, the second week of April, maybe third if you count those last three days. The middle <laughs> of April. How's that? April 16th. Okay. Can't get more precise than that. And that's that's being written by Rhonda Patterson, I found out, who's like usually the colorist on those. Is it being written by her? I know the art's yeah. by Brom Revel. Well, so the first three were by Brom Revel, and then the last three or by Rana Pattison. Cool. Yeah. yeah she's been kind of weird. They, yeah. yeah they, they made a mini series and they like split it into two smaller mini series within the mini series. It's kind of, kind of strange, but yeah, it works. I mean, it's cool that Rhonda Pattison gets to write though, because she's been a colorist on Ninja Turtles since the beginning. Like she's colored everything Ninja Turtles in the IDW series. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, really cool that she gets to write a, co- a few issues. Yeah. But that'll be See, the final been, issue of the Jenica 2 series. I've been buying them all, but I have not had a time to sit down and read them. Yeah, yeah, with me series especially, I usually like to sit down and like after I've gotten all five or six, just read them in one go. Because otherwise I forget what's going on. So. Yeah, like I, I've mentioned it before. Like I'm kind of gravitating towards reading trades only mm-hmm. and not reading single issues anymore. Like but it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't think. Because if I don't buy the issues, then then the comic book companies are like, oh, this book's not selling. Guess we, we're not we're going to cancel it. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I'm saying is support your book 
on all fronts. <laughs> <laughs> Digital trade floppies, buy them all. Yeah, I, I'm working on. I'm gonna work on getting caught up after this next volume comes out. I'm gonna try and get caught up digitally and then just buy the volumes. But I think there are definitely a lot more people buying those hardcover volumes now. Like I see more and more people asking about Ninja Turtle comics and stuff. Yeah, on um, Reddit and other places. Yeah, it's. I think it's really cool and also like. It, it feels like it's a lot of new people trying to get into comics, which. You know, hey, the more the merrier. Come on in, guys. Like, we'd love yeah. to talk Ninja Turtle comics with you. Um, and the and what I really like about those hardcovers is that is the most efficient way to read these books because everything is in there and everything is in order. Mm-hmm. Um, because the chronological order of this of this series is kind of all over the place. For me, for like for me, if if I had jumped in back then on these books i probably would only be reading those uh but so because i'm so far in on buying trades like i don't want to jump off Mm -hmm. yeah i got in pretty late in the game and so i started with those hardcover volumes and honestly the idw series is if you're trying to get into comics it's probably one of the best ones like for starting comics and you can just start from the beginning with these hardcovers and it's all just like a long, one long, enjoyable story from one yeah. to a hundred. It's one of those things where you have people that like, they feel like they're obligated to read it or to get caught up. And it's like, don't read comics that way. Like, just read these to enjoy them. It doesn't matter if you're all the way up to where everyone else is right now or not. Just enjoy the journey. You're reading the story. Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, like, I'm a certified Digital Turtle expert, but I'm reading Mirage for the first time. You know, like read these stories to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Where do you get that certification? Because I like uh, I got it directly from I got it directly from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Twitter. So oh, perfect. Okay. You know that is that is official as it gets. Wow, I'm Dang, not very active on Twitter, but maybe I'll. Uh, you know, I've been kind of pirating our Instagram account, so maybe I'll just like <laughs> use that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, definitely just read read books to enjoy them. You know, mm-hmm. you're not gonna be a better fan if you read all of them at once and have encyclopedic knowledge like you know the three of us are always learning new things by reading by reading these books and sharing with each other like that's what fandom is mm-hmm. yeah and yeah fun yeah i'm still definitely don't know everything about turtles like we're getting to a point in the 87 series where i haven't seen anything yeah like, exactly like in that you know we're getting close to that again was, i jumped I think, off of 2003 I haven't read Mirage, but yet I'm still certified. You can be a fan no matter what. Mm-hmm. So the 87 series, we're going back to that next week, right? We are. Yep. What are we watching next week, Spence? Season three, episodes four, five, and six. That is uh, the Maltese hamster, Sky Turtles, and the old switcheroo. Ooh, the old switcheroo. Yeah, which... Spencer, uh, the Maltese hamster is insane. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I'm gonna I'm gonna second you on that one. Uh, that yeah. is a that is a hoot of an episode. Let me I tell you, it's another it's another one. like detective gumshoe character kind of thing, like Casey Jones was in uh, issue fourteen. So, hmm. which is fun. such a wild joke for kids like you know, us eighty seven kids. You know oh, yeah. that, that kind of reference flies right over our heads. 
it's one of those things i i'm sure like he-man and thundercats did an episode like that too like it's you know you gotta gotta get futuristic wild west uh and a detective episode yep. in there right and shrinking and shrinking and growing shrinking. yeah yeah there's there's a checklist you gotta hit if you're yep. a saturday morning cartoon brain swipping swapping that that's the old switcheroo yeah i remember that one, one. yeah 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 Yep, that's another thing that you have to have in everyone is someone's brain gets swapped with someone else's the hero with the villains all right guys well if you enjoyed the show let us know leave us a review on all of your favorite podcast apps wherever you're listening to this uh you can find us on apple podcasts anchor wherever you download we are there you can also talk to us individually on uh all of our social media platforms uh instagram twitter and facebook is where we all are ninja turtle ph is where you can find us keith is running the instagram i'm on twitter and all three of us are doing the facebook uh if you guys like i said like the show leave us a review drop us a dm let us know you know what do you want to talk about in in, uh, ninja turtles we'd love to hear from you uh but yeah until then take us out cowabunga dudes cowabunga ain't it the truth I've been working on a fast on a faster closeout like that. Yeah, I I know I, I'm really slow at it. It's not I, I'm not good at the closer. It's not that you, no 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 you're you're fine at it. I just I would just I wanted it to go a little faster mm-hmm. and yeah <laughs> that was that was basically it. No, I mean it's it's okay. Like I I, I always struggle with it every week. I'm always like I have to have it like written out. I can't just like mm-hmm. do it off the cusp. It never works for me. Yeah, I should write it down, but that's that's what I did. Um, I just wrote it down, like wrote it out. And it, it's basically just list out what you list out where you can find us, ask for engagement, and that's it. Hmm. Yeah, right. who wants, what episode is next week? Uh, I think Maltese Hamster should go to Spence. All right, I'll take the Maltese Hamster. But if I take Sky Turtles, I had that one on VHS. Nope, that is fine. Uh, these are, I remember Maltese Hamster, but I do not remember these three in general. So I'll take the last one again. Okay. Okie doke. Yeah, man. Maltese Hamster is insane. Yeah, I remember, I remember it being pretty crazy. Uh, I think they come with the Maltese Hamster. Yeah, the April, the April two pack came with the Maltese Hamster. Oh, really? That's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I watched past this point because I remember the Switcheroo episode. So I just don't know why I have zero memory of this insane Maltese hamster episode. Because it's crazy. It's like they have to find the hamster to find the rocket fuel formula. It's insane. It's absurd. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fun to summarize. <laughs> so I posted earlier on, on my Twitter um, that meme of like, Flynn from uh, from Tangled like with all the swords pointed at him mm-hmm. and it's the meme right now has been blank opinions that would go have you like this go and I obviously I said Ninja Turtles opinions that would have you like this go so like, I'm asking for everybody's hot takes mm-hmm. 
just my phone has been blowing up <laughs> for the last eight hours. Yeah, I noticed that because I checked the Twitter because I kind of check all three of them. Yeah, here and there. Uh, just favorite things that are Ninja Turtles related. Yeah, just and uh, Sophie Campbell responded. Uh, a couple 2012 and Rise uh, crew members <laughs> have responded on it. Nice. Um, and I, I, I'm doing my best to engage with everybody. Um, there's a lot of, lot of opinions. <laughs> yeah. But I'm kind of, kind of glad I didn't do it on our podcast page because that would have some divisive opinions. There. I think that would have, I think that would have invited a little bit of divisiveness. Um, mm-hmm. because there, I mean, there are some people kind of being there's there's been a couple jerks so far um just kind of ruining the fun for everybody i mean there always are Uh, yeah and i didn't want to invite that on our page Um, yeah like i i can handle it but i don't want to i don't want that to tarnish our reputation on our on our page Mm -hmm. and i mean i don't really i don't know i don't know if i'd mind that much on you know other people's comments under us just asking what their unpopular opinion is but yeah uh, yeah that's fair but what the heck yeah, there's a lot of good opinions on there mm-hmm. yeah i was going through a few of them there's a few of them that made my blood boil a little bit <laughs> <laughs> all the ones that people say like they like rise <laughs> nah no, no, they kidding, like rise just when they say it's better than the 2003 version <laughs> <laughs> you know okay like i said I, i'm gonna give it a fair shake i'm gonna give it a fair shake um I'm not expecting much. Yeah. Well, don't go in ex- like don't go in expecting like even watching it now. Like I can see that the animation isn't great and some of the voice acting is definitely not always the best in the series. Yeah. But much like how you guys grew up just kind of like accepting puppets as real and things in movies, because I grew up watching four kids and the voice acting quality for pretty much everything on four kids and Foxbox mm. was around the same. For me, that's just a standard of cartoons and it just doesn't bug me. Yeah, no, I mean also, that's and that that's totally fair. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but also I, like, two thousand three does a good job of telling like big story arcs throughout the season. But it, yeah, it's also still a Saturday morning cartoon, so there has to be twenty six episodes in each season. So there's a lot of filler in there, mm-hmm. especially like the first season. There's a lot of like garbage man episodes, and they go to Junk Lantis, and what it's just, yeah, God Junk Lantis, right? <laughs> God, and it, uh. I mean, it is. I'm pretty sure they just found an 87 script that was laying around that was never produced. And we're like, yeah, here, make it. I remember that was probably where I was like, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, what's his name? The garbage man is the spider bites of the 2003 series. That's you a know? good comparison. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair, oh, yeah. but I also really like spider bites. <laughs> I think he's a fun bad guy. Hey, ugh, that episode. That episode is what my, turned me off of the 12, 2012 series. Like I watched the first two and I was like, yeah. Uh, and then I saw spider bites and I was like, I'm out. Yeah. See, and I like, I, I like, like uh, 2012 for the same reason. It's got like good, good uh, arcs to it, but there's still so much filler in it. Yeah. I didn't, no, like I went through and watched monkey, the 2012 series eventually. I didn't like the monkey professor. Yeah. That one I didn't care for. Um, I think I hated that episode. I didn't like, I didn't like that version of Rat King, which is ironic because I said, I like IDW Rat King and they're very similar. Yeah. Um, more or less i mean the design wise they're very mm-hmm. similar yeah. um and just i think that creep factor is 
definitely there with that version of Rat King. Um, but yeah, like even even 2012, like I have a hard time watching them like back to back to back to back. Yeah. Like I have to pick, like I, I threw on um I threw up the, I threw on the Dungeons and Dragons episode the other day for my wife because you know we love Dungeons and Dragons and she hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um and then I started watching uh the Mutant Apocalypse uh trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I, and I was like, okay, like I'm okay with just watching these three out of order <laughs> and not committing to a binge. Yeah. No, like with the 2003 series, I even now, like, even though I really enjoy it and like the individual episodes, I hardly ever binge it. You know, it's like an episode or here or there, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll I watch like them. one or two together and then I'm pretty satisfied. Yeah. I just watched them like one every lunch break for like, mu- like two or three months and got through it that way. That was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm the same but that pluto uh totally turtles channel like i sometimes i'll put it on the background and after a while i'm like i these all kind of run together and, and look the same so yeah and then, you know, like everything everything just looks the same in 2003 too like yeah all right i'm i'm gonna go lay down it's, yeah, yeah no worries it's super <laughs> late for you guys feeling that uh feeling like covid shot definitely oh uh, yeah like i said tylenol take some nyquil tonight tylenol tomorrow yeah i feel real hot might, might be getting a fever oh yeah, yeah yeah that's that's a thing too you'll you'll probably get a fever perfect i'm, I'm totally not a whiny little crybaby anytime i feel it <laughs> perfect so my wife's gonna love that yeah my wife calls them my wife calls them man colds yeah yeah i don't feel good which all right fair yeah i'm I'm weak when i have a cold i'm also but like also i feel like i tough out a lot of things so like if it's taking me down i'm i'm really feeling bad you know (laughs) oh yeah i don't ever call in sick to work really Mm. and that's why i was telling my i was telling my supervisor i was like i was like when i call in sick that means i'm on death's door (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) like the same way yeah Otherwise, I otherwise I live five miles from the office. I'm gonna come in. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you guys have a fantastic night. I will talk to you. Yeah. Soon. Take care, guys. Yeah. Take care.